Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Good morning, everyone. We're back in the book of Matthew. We're going to be putting in um, chapter 10 um, around verse 9 and finishing chapter 10 and then uh, starting chapter 11 down to verse 6 in that chapter. So Jesus is you know, commissioning his disciples now to be apostles, and he's giving them, as we saw yesterday, the same authority that he had. And as we said yesterday, and um, the you know, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. So this is what he's doing. He said, going, he's telling them, you know, you've got my authority. So I want you to go proclaim. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, he's sending them out, you know. He's telling them not to go to the Gentiles' uh, towns uh, or the Samaritans, but he's going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's got 12 disciples. They're going out to the perhaps the 12 tribes. And he's going out with Jesus' authority. He's telling them, you're not going out just to, you know, give the good news. You're actually... To, to serve these folks and to give them not only spiritual but physical needs of the lost. So as we jump in now, uh, verse 9, he says then, Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. In other words, you're not out there to get any reward at all. Verse 10, No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. Now, my study Bible and McGee kind of um, teach the points here that he's sending them out. If we take all this within context of what Jesus is, you know, getting ready to prepare them to do, he's sending them out on a shorter term mission. They're not going to be gone long this is not meant to be the same advice is if they were going to be 
you know, in a longer thing. But he's basically just saying, don't carry any extra money. Don't carry any extra clothes or supplies. You know, you just don't need to because you're, you're going out. I want you to just worry about bringing people the kingdom of heaven. And you don't need to be associated with anything from the kingdom of earth. You don't need to be uh, bogged down with getting things, possessions on earth, um, to get in the way of giving out the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So, uh, verse 11, And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there till you depart. Now again, McGee says, it's not really instructing us on how to do things today. Um, this was customary in their time to put people up as they went because they didn't have hotels or as many things to for people to lodge in. And um, so, and again, this was a, a shorter situation, um, but it also places them completely dependent on God. And um, this is what Jesus wanted them to, to be able to, to do. So, again, specific instructions for this type of, um, for their um, uh, apostleship short-term ministry here. So, um, again, not contradicting other forms of um missionary work as you enter a house um, greet it and if the house is worthy let your peace be upon it but if it is not worthy let your peace return to you and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town truly I say to you it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town in other words if a if the town doesn't receive it, move on. Your job is to is to bring the word, not to convince people's hearts to change. The Spirit of God does that. Because not everybody's receiving Jesus either. But He's He's preparing them for the divisive nature of the gospel message. He's preparing them that not everyone will accept the gospel message. Okay, and so he's giving them an example, and we're getting a a behold here from from Matthew here. He says, "Behold," in other words, check this out, take a look. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. In other words, don't go out just without any common sense. Don't go out without uh, making good discerning decisions, you know. I'm not sending you out just to sort of be gullible, but also you guys are, the position you're going to take, you want to be blameless before men. You don't want to go out and just do anything. You want to be innocent as doves, but also wise too. <laughs> Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged 
before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and over the Gentiles. When they deliver you, it's not if, but when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. So, and it's not to say that you shouldn't prepare if you're going to teach others. You should be prepared. It's not like the, in every situation you're just going to get some information to say. But when they're delivering you over, when you're becoming in trouble for my name's sake, he's telling them, and it will come. Be prepared because my Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to do or going to be with you. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Again, the gospel of Christ is going to divide men. He's telling them to be prepared for that. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, this is an interesting little passage here. And my study Bible says you can take this several different ways. When the Son of Man comes, before the Son of Man comes, could that be Jesus' resurrection when he comes back from the dead? Or number two, when he comes at the spirit of the Pentecost, or number three, his coming judgment in Jerusalem when it was destroyed. Or verse four, or I mean, excuse me, or this fourth way to interpret it is the second coming of Christ at the end of the age. It kind of makes sense, uh, sort of the second coming is that's his mission to Israel. will continue alongside the ministry to the Gentiles. But Jesus, that would be a very, very forward-looking verse. It's like a prophecy. He's truly, I say to you, it's like he's given a prophecy here. You can keep going through all the towns of Israel, and you need to keep going, and you'll never go through all the towns before the Son of Man comes back. In other words, it's how great a need the nation Israel will have. It's, it's a need for salvation that can never even be quenched. The only one who can quench this will be the Second coming of the Son of Man, before the Son of Man returns, before Jesus Christ returns. He's the only one that will, uh, that will bring peace on earth. He's the only one that will fulfill hope and fulfill joy. It's only the Son of Man. It's only Jesus. But he's getting these apostles ready to set out for his great commission, which will be coming up. But right now, he's giving them their initial commission.
and then he's telling him, verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? In other words, Jesus said, look, you want to strive to be like me. Um, you're not trying to go out to be above me. I'm giving you all this authority in my name, so my best advice to you is strive to be like me. Because remember, you don't want to strive to be greater than me. Number one, you can't. But number two, if you do, you can't handle the rejection. Because if they're calling me Satan, Beelzebub, is a is sort of a reference to Satan. You know, they're calling me Satan. They're putting. They're going to put. The disciples don't know this right now, but Jesus is sort of saying to them, you know, they're going to call me Satan. They're going to put me to death. On a cross. Okay, if they're calling me, all these things, and they're going to do all this to me, you can't handle what they would do to you. If you're trying to be greater than me. So it's enough for you to be like me. Okay. So. He's saying all this. Out of love for them. It's not a conceited statement. It's very very interesting. In a very deep couple of verses there. Verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed. So in other words, you don't need to fear men. Because their actions, their dishonesty, their sin will be revealed. Or anything hidden that will not be known. Verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Jesus is sort of saying to them now, the ministry that so far has been not revealed or been kept secret, now we are revealing it to everyone. It's the time. It's the year of the favor of the Lord, the Lord's favor. Okay? So now Jesus wants His word proclaimed. Verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Isn't that interesting? There are people who care that kill the body but can't kill the soul. And who are those? Well, that's pretty much everybody. You know, there's no army on earth that can kill your soul. You don't have to fear any power on earth. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Who do you fear? You fear God. God's the only one that can kill the soul. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Now he gives an example. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. In other words, the Father in heaven knows what's going to happen to every single little creature. He'll know you too. He'll know what's going on with you. Verse 30, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. 
So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who's in heaven. Verse 34, Do not think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Now he's given us the, uh, you know, the deeper ramifications of the gospel message. Only Christ will bring ultimate peace on earth, but in it, but that's going to be in his second coming. But in his first coming, he's bringing he's bringing a sword. He's bringing the gospel message. It's the word of God is like a sword in your hand. I believe the word of God was a a sword back in Ephesians chapter 6. It's been related to as a double-edged sword that pierces down to the marrow. So, the first coming of Christ, it's not so much the little baby in a manger, it's the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the personification of God's kingdom. He's the kingdom of heaven on earth. And yes, He does come to bring peace on earth, but He doesn't come to bring peace on earth in His first coming, right? They put Him to death on a cross. Peace on earth didn't occur when He came. Only division. People's hearts were divided, families were divided, and the Jewish synagogues were divided. That's why they put Him to death. They were divided. Even at His trial, all the people were divided. Okay? For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. It's true today, too. The gospel message will divide a household. Do we have peace on earth? No. We don't have peace on earth yet. The Son of Man hasn't come back. Verse 37, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Look what he's saying. you got to put Jesus Christ above every human relationship. And that was a statement. That was a position that put him ahead of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everything. Verse 38, and whoever does not take his his um, cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That, my study Bible points out, was shocking. It's a shocking metaphor of discipleship. Take his cross and follow me. Jesus saying, the servant can't be greater than the master. You know, you can't handle what they're going to do to me. You don't want to be greater than me. You can't be. You're not worthy. But to be like me, you got to take your cross and follow me. In other words, you've got to commit 
your relationship to me above every human relationship, you've got to commit your very life itself to me to be worthy of me. Your, my relationship to you, your relationship to me has to be the most valuable thing you own, even to the point of death. And whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Your life has to be completely broken, completely humiliated, completely dependent on Jesus to be worthy. Those are those words are really beautiful and encouraging, but they're but I think they're hard to, to live out. It shows you how much we need to be like him. Because naturally we don't tend to follow. And we tend to think of ourselves naturally. And we tend to put people ahead of things. We really care what people think about us. Verse 40, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. This is receiving the receiving Jesus Christ is receiving God. These are big words. Verse 41, The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Again, McGee makes the point, this is not your salvation, but this is a reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus is saying there will be rewards for what you do and how you receive one another if it's in my name. Because you can still receive me. You receive my word. You receive my presence. You're receiving God the Father. And your deeds matter. Verse chapter 11 now. Meanwhile, Matthew kind of pivots here. Meanwhile, Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. He went on from there to teach and preach in the cities. So when Jesus is finishing with these disciples and they're getting ready to go on their way, he goes and he continues preaching and teaching. Okay? So he's sending them, but he's going also. So they are modeling his actions. They're putting that into, into it's not just words, it's deeds. But we, begin, but we begin, begin to see a different change now in tone. As, as Jesus now has prayed for workers at the harvest time and has his disciples pray earnestly, then they become what they've been praying for. And now he's sending them. He talked to them about it. They had them pray about it. He's telling them what's going to happen. Now he's sending them to do it. Verse 2. Now when John, this is John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, 
Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So John hears about all these deeds, and he hears about all these uh, this mission. But John has questions, you know, about the ministry. And he is the one who's supposed to proclaim the way of the Lord. Now, for me, I think in other accounts, he's already pointed out, you know, who Jesus is because I believe, you know, Andrew um, started following him because Andrew, I think, and Philip were one of his early disciples. And then Andrew gets his brother Peter, or Simon, as he was called at the time, you know, to take a look. But, you know, John proclaimed it was Jesus. I mean, John has already baptized Jesus, right? You know, he said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. So, now John gets thrown into prison. Maybe John was not ready for that. Maybe he was thinking, Jesus is coming, and now Jesus is going to, he's here, and he's going to assume authority. So we see that maybe John doesn't know everything. John knows who Jesus is, but not even John understood what Jesus' time on earth was going to be. He didn't, perhaps he didn't understand the fact that Jesus was coming to, to be sacrificed. Maybe he didn't understand that. Because if he did, he would know that Jesus is not coming to assume power. He's coming as a sacrifice. He's bringing a sword, yes, a sword of division, but he's coming to be sacrificed. He's coming as a lamb to be slaughtered, but he's also coming as the shepherd for the sheep. But he's coming as a shepherd who's going to lay down his life to save the sheep. Okay, so John apparently is confused. He's in prison, probably awaiting his death. And he sees that Jesus has not assumed power, because if he assumes power, then maybe he's going to get out of jail. Verse 4, Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So what's Jesus' answer? He says, look, tell him, just tell him what you see. And he's quoting Scripture. Uh, particularly Isaiah. Isaiah 35. And McGee teaches that these are Jesus' credentials. This is prophecy. They're prophesying that the Messiah will do all these things. And Jesus says, well, go tell John what you saw. These are all the things that you're seeing being done. And then, verse 6, you'll miss it if, if you don't. 
just take a minute and look at it. And this is what McGee is sort of saying. My study Bible is saying it too. And blessed, we get another blessed. This is another like beatitude. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, which he says, "Blessed are the you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed is this, and blessed is that." He gives another blessed is, but it's the one who is not offended by me. In other words, he's rebuking John a little bit because he's saying, John. Don't be put off. Don't be offended. Don't be disappointed in me because I haven't assumed power and authority in an earthly way and also being able to get you out of jail. I have authority. Yes, I am here proclaiming my authority, but it's not an earthly authority. It's a heavenly authority. So don't be the a person who is trying to judge me or size me up by earthly eyes. Okay? Don't fall in that trap, John. I am here on the authority, the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but the kingdom of heaven will not be here to assume itself as an earthly kingdom. I'm here to proclaim a heavenly kingdom. So, if you fall in that trap to try to judge me with earthly eyes or size me up as to what I can do to change the political landscape, that's not my mission. So, don't be put off because I'm not in the local politics here. So blessed is one who's not disappointed in me in that regard. You need to regard me for what Scripture is saying. The blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. I am here to save the hearts of men and women from their sin. And I am here to give them a way to repent. The only way for them to be saved, for everyone to be saved, is for me to die, to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. This can't happen if I take authority over the world, I am here for a message of repentance. And that message of repentance will divide people because the people who can't understand it are the people who are waiting for me to show an earthly authority. So that's where we're going to leave here today. Keep your eyes focused on Christ the same way Let's not make a John the Baptist mistake where we say, you know what, I believe in you, Jesus, but my life is still broken. You know, there's still, we've got a broken family or there's still problems in my life or problems in school or problems with my job. 
or I still, my body still has disease in it. Jesus is saying, I'm not coming to, to, to relieve all your problems. I'm coming to give you a way for eternal life. I never, I'm not promising that the rest of your life will be completely easy. I can't promise it won't be hard on you. Don't make that kind of mistake judging my value to you based on the absence of problems in your life. Yes, John, you're still in prison awaiting death and execution. My ministry is not to come take you out of prison. My mission is come to lay down my life. So we're going to stop here again, and I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great, and I look forward to hearing what you've got, uh, your insights today as well. And again, for me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And uh, we'll take a break for the weekend, as we always do. And then we'll be right back here Monday, continuing our study through this wonderful book of Matthew. God bless you all again. We'll see you next time.